Hey friend, how are you doing today? Leanne Goff, your transformational coach, the transformational coach, but right now I am your personal transformational coach. Super excited to spend a few minutes with you here as we're going to be talking about sons get it. What do sons and daughters get to do that elders and servants and maidens and prophets, uh, they don't get to do, but sons and daughters get to do it. So we're going to talk about that here uh, in just a moment. But first, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but I've got a new book I just released uh, just a few weeks ago, and it's called Missionary to Millionaire, Transforming Cultures as Priests and Kings. It is right there, forward by Che An out in California, and my spiritual father, Leif Hetland, did the preface, and a lot of other amazing endorsers on that book. So if you haven't gotten my new book, go to Amazon.com, order it right there, and leave a review for me. I would so, so, so much appreciate it. So I want to just dive in today to what I want to talk to you about. Incredible, incredible principle here about what sons get to do. Again, that prophets and maidens and elders and intercessors and servants, they don't get to do. All right. And my spiritual brother, Paul Yadow, he's over in the Philippines. Absolutely amazing guy. He actually you know, I always tell people Leif Hetland fathered me. If you know who Leif Hetland is, he's my spiritual father. Um, for 16 years now, I was his executive admin and personal assistant for five and a half years. And, um, but, you know, Paul Yadow is a spiritual son of his, actually my spiritual brother. And Paul Yadow said many years ago, and so many of us, man, we wrote this down quick and we kept it in our hearts and our minds. He said, all kingdom matters are matters of the heart. Everything, everything begins here. And it, as I talk about in my book, Transforming Cultures as Priests and Kings, this is the priest, this is the king. Priests are about the heart, kings are about the mind, wisdom emotions, passion, feeling right here, wisdom up here, strategies up here. And so I feel like we should be functioning. Jesus was priest and king. We should be functioning as priest and king. Um, and for me, in my world, that's ministry and business. That's called business tree is what we call it. Marrying ministry and business together, and we do business tree. So in that, all matters being matter, uh, all kingdom matters being matters of the heart. Everything starts right here, but we can't forget this. All right. You know, I, I thought years ago, people can be in a bad accident or, or be in a bad situation and they could, um, they could be, this could not be working up here, but they're still working in their soul alive. But the minute that this stops working, this can work all at once, but if this isn't working, then it's done. It's either there or there. We don't want there. We want up here. Um, and so making sure our hearts are in alignment, first and foremost, with Father God, in alignment for the assignment, alignment for the assignment, um, and then making sure if you have a spiritual father or mother in your life that your hearts are leaning into them and that you're in alignment with them. For me, that was Leif Hetland. It's still Leif Hetland. Just talking to him yesterday for about 45 minutes. Um, that's my spiritual dad for uh, for 16 years. God, first and foremost, is my is my dad. He's my papa. Um, and then Leif is our spiritual father. And so making sure my heart's in alignment with God, the alignment for the assignment. And when that is in place, then as a daughter, not as a missionary or a pastor or an evangelist or a life coach or an author, a speaker. No, when I am in alignment with God for the assignment, when my heart's aligned with him as a daughter, a beloved daughter, then you know what? It just takes off from there. I mean, it just like, I don't, all I have to do is be in line with my dad and it's like things just pop, pop, pop. So that's my, that's what I wake up to every day. Matthew 6, 33, seeking first his face. He's my dad. 
making sure I stay. Whatever he asked me to do, I do. I stay in alignment with him. And then you know what he says? I will take care of everything else. Leanne, you won't have to worry about anything. I'm going to take care of all the rest. And so that's where my heart is at. That's how I function. And so I want to talk about, you know, uh, uh, several scenarios in the Bible where sons got to do things that um, others did not get to do. Sons and daughters got to do things. They don't only leave the daughters out there. Um, but, you know, in math, in Romans 8, 19, it says that the whole earth is in travail, is in moaning and groaning for the revealing, this disclosing of sonship of the sons. So how many, you know, right now, man, there's a lot of stuff shaking in our country, in the world right now. I mean, shaking for the majority of us, like never we've seen shaken before. I mean, things are really, Ooh, you just got to watch the news for 15 minutes. And you're like, dang, things are not looking really good. Of course, if we're seeking God's face first, if we're seeing from um, heaven to earth, praying from heaven to earth, you know, living from heaven to earth, then in our world, God is always still on the throne. He's not given up. He has got a plan and it's going to all work out one way or the other. It's going to all work out. So in Romans 8, 18, 19, though, it says that the whole earth is in, in, in travail and moaning. I mean, deep, deep, deep moaning, kind of like when a woman is getting ready to give birth and she is like in travail. She is generally not moaning. She's screaming. Okay. That's what the earth's doing right now. Why? Because God put us on this earth to fulfill it as his sons and daughters, not as his evangelists and pastors and missionaries and worship leaders and, you know, fill in the blank. No, we do that. But what he put us here to transform cultures is as his son and daughters that are functioning as priests and kings like Jesus. He, Jesus came as a son and his assignment was to function as a priest and a king. All right. So, um, you know, what we look at through all of this is that, you know, of course, we talked about last week how Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. He was affirmed by his Father. And then he went through some tests, okay? And after he passed his test, then he is released for his assignment as a son. He passed his test of sonship, mature son, and then he's released for his assignment and what he was supposed to, uh, what he was called uh, to do here on earth. So I want to talk about a couple other uh, scenarios. So let's go to Abraham and Isaac, okay? And Genesis 22. All right. So we know, we know the story really good where um, God tells Abraham, he's got one son, Isaac. Okay. And he tells Abraham, well, he had Ishmael too. That's another story. But Abraham tells, uh, God tells Abraham, I want you to go up and I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, how many of you had one kid and you'd waited 90 something years to have a kid? And then God tells you to go, I want you to sacrifice your son. You would be going, God, are you like manic depressant here? I mean, like you bless us with one. Now you wanted to get, you know, killing. Like, I, I mean, that that's really weird. But Abraham was faithful. He was a son of God and he knew he could trust his dad. All right. His dad in heaven. And so what happens is Abraham and Isaac, they head off for the mountain where um, Abraham, he's got the wood, he's got the the knives, he's got the, the ropes and everything else. And on the way there, we know Isaac says, dad, where's the sacrifice? Because Isaac was raised knowing there's always a sacrifice. All right. Aren't you thankful guys that Jesus, um, you know, he died in the cross and he was the ultimate sacrifice and we don't have to go and sacrifice whether it's a pig or one of our kids. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right. Oh, anyway, so here, Abraham and Isaac, they're going to the mountain where Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac. And um, they, he says, they say that there's three servants, three of Abraham's servants go with them. And so then they get near the mountain and Abraham turns to the servant and um, he says, tells the servant, stay here, stay here. 
the boy and I will go up on the mountain and worship. And of course, we want to remember this part and we will return. Abraham had faith. God, you gave me the son. You know what? You're going to provide another way because you're not, you didn't give me the son to take him away. You know, so Abraham knew, God, you're going to provide some way. I'm going to remind you, like, there has to be another provision because there's a sacrifice that's going to take place. And you know what? I don't want it to be my son. So the servants stay at the bottom of the mountain. And then there goes Abraham and Isaac up on the mountain to go um, to worship. And what does it happen? We know that God provides a ram in the bush for um, as Isaac's laying there and he's strapped down uh, right at the last moment. God's like, oh, Abraham, I know now that you trust me. Let the boy go. And God provides it. They and, and you know what? Abraham and Isaac, they still worshiped up there. They did the sacrifice of that ram and they still worshiped up there. The point is servants watch from a distance. Sons go up into deep places of worship with fathers, with father God and with their spiritual fathers. They go to deep places of worship. So here's, I can only imagine the scene when Abraham and Isaac are on that mountain. God provides, he unstraps um, Isaac from the altar gets the ram, puts him down, sacrifices him. Guys, this wasn't a 30-minute thing, all right? This probably took place for a day or so. Um, and straps, uh, gets the, the ram, sacrifices him. And can you imagine the time of worship Abraham and Isaac had? Can you imagine Isaac like, whoa, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so glad you, oh God, thank you. Thank you. You made a way, you provided somebody else so I didn't have to be a sacrifice. Oh God, thank you, thank you, thank I can, oh, and Abraham, oh God, thank you, dad, father, thank you that I did not have to sacrifice my son. You provided another way. So there was a huge amount of worship going on that mountain with a father and son, but the servants, they were servants, okay? They were servants. Their title was servant, Isaac was son. Servants watch from a distance, sons go into high places of worship with God the Father and their spiritual fathers. Then we have in Genesis 45, 8, it's Joseph and Pharaoh, okay? Now, here we're talking about um, Joseph went through all the tests, guys. We know Joseph was put in prison. He was put in a pit. He was put in prison. I mean, he just had, every bark was against Joseph. I mean, anything and everything was against Joseph. Um, but you know what? He passed all the tests. And then he's brought in into Egypt and to Pharaoh. And he found favor because he won the heart of Pharaoh. He found favor. When we win the hearts of kings, that's part of what my book is about. When we win the heart of kings instead of their mind, you know, because kings are all about the mind. So we don't want to win their heart, their mind. They're like, don't you fool my mind. But you know what? If we can win their hearts, then we have favor. We find favor with them. And we can basically, and we've got so many scenarios in the word of God of that. And I, even in my own life, I mean, I can tell you, I, I've got... I got extreme favor with the um, the government in Cuba uh, after 63 trips and um, you know over almost 19 years. I've got great favor because I I've, I've I've won the heart of these people. I didn't go to try to change the way they think. And when you win the heart of somebody, then you can change the way that they think. All right, another story. And so here, Joseph's won the heart of Pharaoh. And then you know we know the uh, the the drought comes, and I mean it's just uh, the famine comes, and it's just really really bad. And um, and Joseph won supernatural favor with with uh, with Pharaoh because he came up with a plan. He made a plan even before he won Pharaoh's heart. And you know what? Then it says that Joseph became a Pharaoh, to, a father to Pharaoh. That's crazy. All right. So here's that father son thing again. What fathers and sons get to do? And you know what? They they transform nations. They shift cultures. They save, they bring salvation to nations. I mean, this is alignment for the Simon guys. Okay. Let's go to Moses, uh, Moses and Joshua in Exodus 24. Okay. Here we have the scenario and uh, Moses is going to go up. Um, 
and to the high places on Mount Sinai. And he's going to go up there and um, into the glory. And to the glory, remember the glory came down on Moses. So with Moses, I think he has like, oh, I don't know. It was like 70 elders and three three priests, 70 elders and three priests. I, I think that's pretty right. Um, yeah, I'm almost 100% positive. 70 elders and three priests. And here's Moses. He's going to the mountain. He's going to go into the glory. God's called him to the top of the mountain to experience God's glory. So here's the 70 elders. Here's the three priests. And they're going to the mountain. And then um, they get towards the mountain. And then God turns, uh, Moses turns to the 70 elders and three priests and says, you stay here. You stay here. Um, they had a dinner though, and they got to like hung out, hung out a little bit and it was pretty cool. You know, some great things happened, but then it's like, you stay here and, uh, and wait for me. So then it says, Moses goes on up the mountain and guess what? For the first time in all of that passage, it says, and Joseph was with him. Like they don't mention Joseph the whole time until it's, he's up on the mountain and it goes, Joshua, his servant, his minister, his son, it doesn't say son, but he was, it, Joshua was like a son to Moses, um, is with him on the mountain. And then what happens? The glory of God comes up. They're up there 40 days and 40 nights. The glory of God comes down on Moses and Joshua. And here they're in the glory of God for 40 days and 40 nights while the elders and the priest are watching from a distance. Do you get my point, guys? Sons get to go it, whether it's you being in alignment with God as a as a son or a daughter, um, or with a spirit and not or and a spiritual father and mother, so God is first, and then a spiritual father and mother, um, you're going to get to do things that elders and priests won't get to do, what servants will not get to do, because you're in alignment for the assignment. For me, I'm in alignment with God first and foremost, and that is absolutely insanely awesome. And I'm also in, in alignment with my spiritual father, Leif. So I've gotten to do things over the last many years that uh, uh, some of the other people, elders or prophets or, you know, worship leaders or, you know, I don't know, just fill in the blank priest or whatever. Um, they have not got to do that. I've gotten to do things because I'm in alignment for the assignment as a daughter. Okay. I hope this, this is making sense for you. This is where sons and daughters, they get it. They get to go to places that others won't get to go because of their in alignment in their identity as sons, beloved sons of God. Let's look at another story um, in Exodus 32, 17. Well, let's just talk about it. Son step in, that, that scripture says, son step into, well, this is about still um, Moses and, Eli, uh, and Joshua, but son step into glory realms with fathers. Wow. Glory realms. Do you want to experience God's glory? Then make sure you're in alignment as not a, a preacher or a pastor, or an evangelist or a worship leader or a Sunday school teacher, or, you know, that you are in alignment as a son, a beloved son, a beloved daughter, and watch the glory that you'll get to experience with your father, God. Um, let's talk about Judges. Judges 5. This is Deborah and Barak, okay? Sons and daughters that are in alignment with uh, Father God and their fa spiritual fathers and mothers obtain victory and triumph. And they will shout and rejoice together. We know what happened, um, you know, when Deborah sends Barak on an assignment and he says, I won't go unless you go. And uh, and I don't think that Barak, you know, I've heard a lot in women's conferences and stuff. Oh, Barak was just being a wimp. No, I think he was in alignment with his spiritual mother, Deborah. And he says, listen, <laughs> you know what? We're in this together and I ain't going unless you go with me. I've done that with late before. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm supposed to do this, but I need I, I need you to have my back. And you know what? He's totally 100%. He's got my back. And so, and I have a spiritual son, Josue. He's an incredible preacher, plays 30, um, uh, pastor, preacher, minister. I mean, he's got the fire guy, plays 32 instruments. And for Josue, there's been times he's like, mom, I need you. I, I need you to have my back in this. And so we lean hearts together. We're in alignment for the assignment and God just shows up. So here, you know, um, 
they win this battle, Barack and Deborah together, and they win this battle and they save a nation. And then there's they're dancing and they're singing and they're partying and they're shouting together because they're in alignment for the assignment. They get to do things. De- Barack got to do things with Deborah that the other soldiers didn't get to do. Uh, let's talk about Ruth and Naomi. All right. So here in in uh, in the book of Ruth, um, you know, we find out that Naomi has two um, daughter-in-laws, two sons, two daughter-in-laws. Her husband dies, her two sons dies, and she's got these daughter-in-laws. And then her daughter, uh, daughter-in-law Ruth, you know, just says, hey, you know what? Where you go, I'm going to go. What you do, I'm going to do. I'm in alignment with you, and I am in this for the uh, alignment for the assignment. And so they come together, and as a result of that alignment, as a result of that alignment, Ruth got to extreme, extreme favor and inheritance, and life is restored for her. She finds extravagant, extreme favor, excuse me, and then inheritance and life is restored because she became in alignment for the assignment uh, with uh, Naomi. And she's like, I'm sticking with you. So I really believe um, Ruth knew who she was and who she was, and God blessed that. Okay. Elijah and Elijah, you know, we talked about this on my last last podcast and uh, where uh, Elijah receives the inheritance while 50 prophets are following him and Elijah all around through the test, you know, the first test for Elijah to receive the inheritance, you know, to to carry on the the assignment of Elijah, his destiny. Um, Elijah goes through the test of Gilgal, circumcision. He goes to Bethel, open heaven, through Jericho, that's breakthrough, and then to Jordan, which is the crossover. And the whole time, the prophets are watching from a distance. They're watching from a distance. They're telling you, don't go, don't go. And he's saying, be quiet, shut up. I'm going with him. Uh, I'm going to receive the inheritance. I'm going for my destiny. I'm going to fulfill the destiny in the Simon. And so sure enough, Elijah and Elijah, the horses and the chariots pass through the two of them. And Elijah says, I want a double portion. Um, and then he receives the mantle all the while 50 prophets, Elijah's receiving the inheritance. Okay. In the assignment of the greatest prophet in the land at that time. Um, and he's receiving the assignment and the inheritance and the destiny from Elijah, his spiritual father, while the prophets are watching from a distance. All right. How many of you think that those prophets at the end of the day said, thought to themselves, man, I, I wish I would have gone. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I would have been Elijah, you know, uh, but Elijah went through the test. He paid the price and then he he got the mantle. Now, let me tell you a story. I didn't share this in my last podcast. Well, it's not a story. It's it's actually in the Bible. So it, the, it, Elijah has Elijah's mantle. He fulfills the decimate. He does double the um, miracles that Elijah did. He asked for a double portion. He got it. Um, it's, we do not have because we do not ask. Um, but he does the, the miracles, double uh, miracles. And then it's time. And Elijah, it's actually Elijah that destroyed um Jezebel as well. I don't know if you know that, but he's the one that destroyed Jezebel. And so here it is in Elijah. Um, it's time he dies and the, he goes to the grave and the mantle's with him because there's no son or daughter to pass it on to. That's one of the saddest scriptures to me in the whole Bible, that there's no son or daughter to finish to pass the mantle on to. Why? First, I don't think we have enough spiritual fathers and mothers. And then we don't have enough uh, people who want to be sons and daughters with their spiritual fathers and mothers. Why? Because most of those sons and daughters, they are just looking for a platform. They're looking to see what can that person do for me? That's not the way it works, guys. That's a story for another day. But again, Elijah goes to the grave with Elijah's mantle, with the assignment, with the destiny. And you remember there was a band of, of I don't know, gypsies or something passing by and a guy died and fell in the grave on top of Elijah. And what happened? The guy was healed and jumps out of the grave. 
he was, or the guy was raised from the dead. He wasn't healed. He jumps out the grave. And, um, but that was the power that was on that assignment of that mantle. It represented, that mantle represented an assignment for the kingdom of God. And here it is. There's no, there's no, there's no son or daughter to pass that mantle on to. Such a sad statement. Um, okay, then, okay, again, the prophets watch. Maybe one of them could have gotten the mantle, you ever think? But anyway, uh, then we have um, Esther and Mordecai. And I love, love, love this story because um, um, uh, Esther was Mordecai's uh, cousin and uh, her parents, you know, uh, died. We don't know how they were killed. Um, and then uh, he takes her in and begins to uh, father her. And I can just imagine every single day, and it says that Mordecai hung out at the king's gate, okay? He took notes every single day of the king. Boy, we need fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers that are studying the king and 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 raising up their sons and daughters to know the king, all right? And so here's Mordecai, and um, I can just imagine he goes home every day, and there's his spiritual daughter, um, Esther, and she's kept a really great, you know, uh, Jewish Hebrew meal, and... Um, and here it is, and they sat at a little candle, and she would ask her her father Mordecai, so, you know, Dad, what did what did the king do today? I heard he went hunting. What does he like to hunt? Oh, Dad, I heard he played, you know, his favorite sport today. Uh, hey, I heard that, you know, there were rich people that came from wherever and brought him gifts. What were the gifts? What what does he like? Well, I mean, what's his favorite gifts? I mean, what's his favorite music? What's his favorite cologne or whatever? You know, she, Mordecai studied the king so he could teach his daughter about the king. And then one day we all know that a decree was made that all the virgins, that the king, you fired his queen. <laughs> and uh, see, you can't fire, you can't fire uh, family daughters or whatever, but you can fire queens and kings. Um, so anyway, he brings in all the virgins, the king brings in all the virgins in the land. And lo and behold, Esther is one of those. And then she comes in and they have to prepare themselves to go meet with one night with the king. They have to prepare for six months. Six months for one night with the king. All right. Boy, that'll preach right there. Okay. So I got to think about that. Anyway, um, so she goes through her all of her ritual and everything for her night one night one night with the king. But the advantage that Esther has over all of the other maidens is that she had a spiritual father that studied the king and taught her about the king. So when she goes into her one night with the king, and we make it look all romantic and everything, you know. Um I'm not sure that's the way it looked. I'm sure she was scared to her wits. But the advantage that Esther had over all the other maidens is she already knew about the king. She already knew his favorite food, his favorite sport, his favorite, you know, robe. You know, I'm talking about his his favorite crown, you know, his favorite cologne, his favorite everything. She already knew all about the king. So she probably brought him his favorite fruit. fruit. Maybe she brought him his favorite dessert, you know, his favorite cologne. She already brought all this stuff to him. You know, she she probably already knew what his favorite jewelry was and, you know, how he liked women to look and this and that. And she was already had a huge advantage over all the other maidens because um, because she had a father that taught her. Um, so lo and behold, guess who becomes his bride, the king's bride? And then becomes a queen and then shifts the whole nation. Okay. Saves the whole, she saves her people. All right. And so obviously it's Esther, Esther, Esther found favor in the presence of the king. Esther could go into the presence of the king. She could see him face to face where all the maidens stayed in the, um, in the harem. So the point is, is that daughters get to hang out with kings. They go face to face with kings. They're in the presence of kings when maidens have to watch the king from a distance. They have to watch the king from the distance. And so let me just finish with this. 
you know, it, this is about where sons and daughters get to go, what they get to do um, that, again, elders and priests and prophets and servants and maidens, they don't they don't get to do. They have to watch from a distance. How many of you, you're satisfied with watching everything from a distance? I'm not. I want to be up close. I want to know God. I want to see God. I want to be right there with him. I want to, Matthew 6, 33, seeking his face. Like when I get up in the morning, he's the one I'm seeking, his face, not his hand, but I'm seeking his face so that I can have an encounter with him, so I can spend time with him, so I can be still and know him. If everybody else wants to watch from a distance, they can do that. Not me. I'm not satisfied with that. You know why? Because I'm a daughter. I'm a beloved daughter who my father is well pleased with. He is my dad. And I just want to make sure that I'm face to face with him, that I'm in his presence and he's in my presence. And you'd probably say, well, Leanne, why would you want to be in your presence? Go read about Samuel laying next to the ark. Okay. go. Read. We'll talk about that another day. But you know what? When we lay in God's presence, it says he'll stand in our presence. So that's another, another day right there. But anyway, you know, um, I want to you know, I want to let you know that I want to encourage you not to uh, do everything from a distance. And basically, don't let your title be a servant or a priest or an elder or a prophet. Those are things that we get to do, that your your position, your title, uh, who you are and whose you are is you're a beloved son, a beloved daughter of an incredible, 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 amazing dad, daddy God in heaven right here, right now. And so I just bless you to know who you are and whose you are, and that you will not to have to uh, watch from a distance any longer, that you can be right face-to-face with your father. And you get to do things that others don't get to do because you know who you are and who you, whose you are, and you're in alignment as a son or a daughter for the assignment here on earth for the kingdom of God. So Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for all of my friends that are listening uh, to this podcast. And God, I just bless them, bless them again to know who they are and whose they are and that they know you as their dad. Father God, Abba Father, Daddy God. And so I just ask you to go where I can't go, do what I can't do, go deep in their hearts, their spirit, their mind, God, their emotions. And God, just fill them up with your love, God, that it overflows, God, that they literally have such an encountering experience with you, God, whether it's in the glory, Father, God, whether it's in high places of worship, whether it's face-to-face with you as a king, whatever that looks like, God, that they are right there with you. And we just thank you so much, Father, in Jesus' name. Well, friend, thank you again for hanging out with me today. Remember, go to Amazon, get my book, um, Missionary Millionaire, Transforming Cultures as Priest and King. Buy a copy or two for a friend, family member. Um, It'll impact their lives. It'll impact yours. And do a review on Amazon. Don't forget of my book. Please, please, please. Uh, And then if if this podcast has blessed you or another podcast, please share it with a friend. Share it on your social media. Uh, We're just trying to get the message out there that our dad is a really, really good father. So, all right, guys. Thank you for joining today. Signing off for now. Leanne Goff, your transformational coach.